Galatians 5.1. Galatians 5.1. As God led me to this passage, I thought, well, this won't take very long. I've preached this many times. It's just one verse. But you can't read this one verse without reading the entirety of the book and understanding the, the doctrine of grace and who Christ really is. This morning as we look at Galatians 5.1, I think about when it was written. As Paul wrote of his freedom in Christ, the Roman soldiers marched past having enslaved the Jews and especially Christ's followers. No doubt Paul's mind wandered back to the greatest story of freedom. Being a scribe, being a Pharisee, being a man of letters, he knew that story well. The Hebrews' deliverance from Egypt. God had set them free just as he did with the Persians and the Babylonians, and now through Christ has provided eternal freedom to all who believe. God told them that they would be his people and he would be their God. We see it over and over and over, from Egypt, the wilderness, and into the promised land. Yet, they would forget and end up in another foreign land. As we've already heard quoted this morning, John 8, verses 33 through 36, John says, We are Abraham's descendants, talking about the Jews there, the, the, the religious crowd that were arguing with Jesus. They said, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Notice he did not address the very apparent lie that they had just told. They had been enslaved over and over and over again. They were living in denial, much like many in America and especially believers today. He said, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son, a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. We must remember that Christ has made us free, just not independent. We celebrate Independence Day in America, but we do not celebrate our independence separated from God. We are free, bought with a price, released from the slavery of sin, yet we are not our own. Galatians 5.1 says this, Stand fast. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now there's 
about four very specific snippets, if you will, pieces of this puzzle found in this verse. Stand fast, liberty, Christ, and being entangled again in bondage. First of all, we want to begin with what sets the stage, what gives us the tone for the entire picture of this one verse, and that is that Christ is the one who makes us free. He said, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. It is all about Christ. When you break down this verse in the original language, we see this phrase, making us free, Christ making us free, in the indicative mode, or mood rather. And in this indicative mood, it literally means a statement of fact that's already been accomplished. Christ has to do nothing else to purchase our freedom. He does not come back to the cross. He does not die afresh. Hebrews tells us over and over and over. He tells us for us to try to renew our foundation of faith is to put him to an open shame, to tread his blood under our feet. God's word says in Hebrews 10 that Jesus died once for all. It is done. And in, I, I can't put it any better than he did. His, we talked last week about the first words he said from the cross. The last thing he said, it is finished. Jesus paid the price for our ransom. It is Christ that makes us free. Look with me. Back in chapter 3, verse 1, he said, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you? He said, you know this. You have, some of you have even seen it. You were there. Eyewitnesses to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, yet he has washed it white as snow. Do you know how you look at someone else that looks like a degenerate, that looks like someone that uh, God could not love, that it looks like someone completely rejected by the world? It's to look at yourself and know that Jesus paid your price and that person's price as well. Jesus shed every drop of blood. He tells us here in Galatians that he became our curse. For cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree. It was through the death of the Son of God, the perfect Son of God, who came to this earth knowing the only way to pay the price was to die on that cross. We see a beautiful picture of it in the Old Testament book of Ruth. As Ruth, husband died, her brother-in-law died, and her father-in-law died. And she ends up in a different land, yet through marriage, there's a man by the name of Boaz. And their mother-in-law said, go and do this and do that. For he is a near kinsman. 
And you see, the only way that she could have any future is to have the, paid, the price paid for her. And Boaz jumped through every hoop. There was one even closer that says, no, I'll not do it. And he said, well, let it be marked today. I'm paying the price. And I will be her near kinsman redeemer. Jesus came and paid the price. For you, for me, when you come to a dark place in your life, when the world rejects you and says you're worthless and there is no good in you, you point them to Calvary and you tell them, yes, but he is worthy. Do you know you sang scripture this morning? Do you know you literally sang scripture from Isaiah? You sang it from Revelation. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Why is he holy? For there is no sin. How could God die on the cross? He took on the robe of flesh. Yet in that flesh, never once did he cave to the temptations that catch us all. And through that, you see when... A slave had their freedom bought. A slave could not buy their own freedom. Even if they had the money, they're still a slave. They had no rights. And so they would take that money to their master. And the master would in turn take that money and go into the gates, go into the books of the temple and give uh, that amount and it would be written down. Ransom paid, free slave. No longer a slave, but a free man. A free man. Jesus paid the price and written in the Lamb's book of life for all who believe it is written free forever. I don't know about you, that does something to me. I can't mess that up. I can mess a lot of stuff up. I've been told before that I could tear up an anvil. I mean, mess up a one-car funeral. But I can't mess that up. You know why? Because I didn't do it. I didn't add to it. I didn't subtract from it. I didn't remodulate it and make it look different. It's all about Christ. But not only is the ransom paid, redemption is secured. That is through his life. Jesus didn't remain in the tomb. Jesus paid it all, but on that glorious first morning, first day of the week, very early, Christ arose. And in that is resurrection. In that, we have life. And we have it more abundantly. We are free indeed. For Jesus did not, could not, will not ever be bound by death. It could not hold him. And the stone was rolled away and he stepped out in that life so that you may have that life through him. The ransom paid by his blood on the cross. The redemption secured making that which is worthless valuable. You know, you can go on marketplace or you can go to a yard sale or you can go to a flea market and people will take that which some consider junk and someone else, it's another man's treasure. 
used to be a show and it's probably still on. Public television called the Antiques Road Show. Every once in a while I've seen videos where someone brought up a painting or some kind of sculpture or some little something that somebody somewhere gave somebody and it was in an attic and it was handed down to them and it just looked like anything else. And they look at it and they talk about, oh, this come from this period of time and this artist constructed this and it was fire, fired in this kiln in this part of England and it came from the, this empire and all this other stuff. And they finally, the person's like, yeah, I don't care. Tell me how much it's worth. And they said, you've got to be very careful with this. And they give this unbelievable amount that this person that now holds it, hasn't made this much money in their entire life. That which was sitting in an attic, sitting in storage, somewhere covered in the dust of life, now is brought into the light and it is seen by that specialist, that person who really knows value and says, oh, you don't understand, this is priceless. Jesus takes that which is worthless covered in his blood before the throne of God. And only God can say it. For through that blood, God sees us through his son and says that which was worthless is now priceless. The world don't get that. They don't understand that. Our redemption secured through his life. You see, it's his finished work that gives us victory over both. He tells us very clearly during this whole story that we talked about most of the year, moving forward, and how they would go forward one step forward and two steps back. They would trust God when everything went wrong and everything went right. They would turn their back on God. Over and over and over again. We are still in the flesh. And we all, I don't care, some of you right now are focused on somebody else's sin. Can I tell you, that is the biggest trap of Satan. Because when you're looking out the side window at the billboard of everybody else's life, you're missing the wreck right in front of you. He tells them in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, I have called heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live. You want real freedom? Choose life. Choose the life that is Christ. Not what the world says is life, but what Jesus says is life. What God's word says is life. Second of all, in this passage, we see that in Christ making us free, knowing that we serve a triune God, it is the Holy Spirit that seals our standing. He said once again in Galatians 5:1, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Now Christ died resurrected, but then we know he ascended, right? 
And when he ascended, he said, wait, and the power will fall upon you. And the power did fall, didn't it? Remember that old song we used to always sing on baptism day? Let the power fall just now. The power of the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And God used it in a mighty way to share the gospel right there on the Mount of Olives, looking down at the city where Jesus had just been crucified 43 days before. Looking over at an empty tomb. Now he shoots up into heaven. And the angel said, don't fret, don't worry. Stop gazing. For as you see him leave, one day he's coming again in the exact same way. But until then, remember what he said. And what did he say? I will not leave you comfortless. We do not have to say, oh, I got saved when I was 7. I got saved when I was 13, 19, 23. And now I'm just wandering around alone. No, he said that at the point of death to sin comes an inrush of life, which is the Holy Spirit of God. Sealing us that Satan can no longer have us. Now you can be oppressed, but you will never be possessed. You've been bought with a price. And so in this, we see the Holy Spirit seals our standing. It seals our standing. My friends, liberty here in this text literally means unrestrained, not a slave. The chains have been broken. I don't know what's holding you today. I don't know what you have allowed yourself to be fastened down to as a believer. But hear me today. Jesus is here to set you free. Believers are children of God. This is our standing. It is, get this now. This is our standing. We stand as children of the Most High God. Born again, adopted, and soon to be married as the bride of Christ. Three ways into the family of God. Three ways. So I want you to understand that's our standing. There's a lot of times I upset my parents. A lot of times. None that I'm proud of. And there's times that my state of living was not where it needed to be. And my relationship was tattered as I rebelled and did not honor and obey. But may I tell you today, my standing as a son of my parents never changed. You can change your name, change your address. You can even change your anatomy, but you will never change how you were born. And if you've been born again, nothing the world can do can change that. You are a child. This is standing. It is not the state of temporary standards based on these things. First of all, it's not based on the physical. I don't know about you, but these days I don't feel real saved. Aren't you glad that being tired, being worn out, feeling the strain of the body, aching? I'm going to tell you, I've had kidney stones I don't know how many times. I've had two surgeries. And they tell me that 
childbirth is as close as a woman will ever experience to the pain a man goes through with a kidney stone. Oh, I think I got that backwards. I will tell you this. There was, especially the first time, and I'm not joking with this, there was a moment where I thought death cannot be worse. Demerol, Toradol, none of it touched it. I kept jerking the sheet back in the emergency room. They said, can we help you? I said, I hope so. They said, what's wrong? We just gave you a shot. It ain't working. Well, hold on. They give me another round of shots. Five minutes later, it, I don't know what you're giving me. If you're trying to give me a placebo, it ain't working. I don't know what you're doing. It's not working. The physical has no bearing on the eternal. This body is decaying and dying day by day. There's nothing you can do to stop it. There's not enough cream. There's not enough pills. There's not enough makeup. There's not enough surgeries that's going to stop death. So that's grim. Well, that's why they call him that. But it's not when you know. You see, the reason believers have a hard time is not the fear of death, it's the fear of the unknown. But God has told us the known. We know there's a heaven to gain. We know that we will be home. We just hadn't been there, and so we don't, we don't know what it looks like. We don't know what, what to expect. There's an apprehension, even though we want to be there. We want to go there. You know those saying, I'm ready to go to heaven. I'm just not in a hurry. But you see, our standing has nothing to do with how we physically feel. So don't give out. I'm too old. I can't do it. Just let somebody else. I'm going to tell you something. You may not be able to climb ladders, you may not be able to do some other things, you're still breathing. God still has a plan. Young people, pay attention. Senior adults know young people are watching you. They're watching you. And then the psychological, it's a mind game, isn't it? Satan wants to mess with our minds. Get, throwing everything the world can concoct to try to imitate, counterfeit, somehow tell us that if we take enough steps and we read enough books, we can go through enough plans that we can relegate God to the side and we can take care of it ourselves. I'm going to tell you, our standing has no bearing on our psychological feelings. What our mind, our mind is a dangerous place. Mine is a minefield. Mine literally is an unmarked minefield that every day I get up, throughout the day, everything's going along fine, and then... Boom, an IED just jumps out of the cloud. The fog of war in my mind 
the battle that rages every day between the spirit and the flesh and that psychological aspect, I'm going to tell you something. It does not matter in my mind what I may think. What I know is Jesus told me that whosoever believes in him and confesses with their mouth should and shall be saved. For he loved us so much he died. And nothing I can think or imagine can get rid of that. So don't give in to it. Don't give in. You say, well, that's easy for you to say. No, it's not. It is from the biblical truth. It's not easy from applying it. I have to apply it not just every day. It's not going to be that you're going to get up in the morning and say, today my mind's going to be completely and utterly saturated, permeated with the gospel of truth, and you don't have to worry about it until tomorrow. It's a moment-by-moment walk that your mind is fixed on Jesus. That's why we must pray without ceasing. That's why we must walk in agreement with the Lord. But the Holy Spirit does that for us. And then the emotional. We have highs and lows. Man, was the music not unbelievable today? It may have jumped the bank a little bit right there during part of it. Because it was so worshipful and we caught a little glimpse. We touched just the hem of his garment as we see him high and lifted up. But it's not just about the emotional highs. And going out in the world, watching the news and the emotional lows. So don't give up. There's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. But every day in Christ... Our standing never changes. We are sealed in our standing with the Lord. And then we are embraced by Him. Think about this. The Holy Spirit just wraps His big arms around us and embraces us with His affection. There's moments in my life where I felt absolutely overwhelmed and consumed with the doubt, with the dread, with the things of this world, and the Holy Spirit whispered in that still, small voice, this is not of God. Be still and know Him. Be still and know me today. And understand that fear is not of God. Power, love, and a sound mind are of God. That psychological, that emotional, that that physical, all those things are overwhelmed when our hearts and our minds are indwelt and overwhelmed with the presence of the Holy Spirit because He loves us. doesn't do it just out of obligation. He loves us. Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. There's something special about a mama's touch when you're hurting. I, I'd like to think that as a father I can grant that, but just not like mamas. Got to know your limitations. Mom will take it and she can say whatever words and her empathy, her care. Mamas have a way touching that hurt like nobody else can 
except for the Holy Spirit. I think mothers are models and types and shadows of that comfort that only the Holy Spirit. I've seen people so overwhelmed in the presence of such heartache through funerals and other things and, and all of a sudden see it change and then come back and testify and said, I can't even put it into words, but I'm here to tell you that I experienced the Holy Spirit overwhelmed me. We are embraced by His affection, but make no mistake about it, He loves us enough to correct us. You better be thankful that He loves us enough to do that. I'd rather have a flat tire than drive off the edge of a cliff, wouldn't you? I'd rather have to change a tire in 130 degree heat in the middle of a desert and drive off the edge of the cliff having not been warned. The Holy Spirit warns us because He loves us. And if you're going through a, what you want to say is a trial, it's not a trial sometimes. It is God correcting bad behavior and rebellion because He loves you. We're enabled by His discernment. God, when we are saturated in His standing, when we are standing fast in that liberty, then we discern those things that can rob us. I can't stand up here and I resent anyone else who can say, try, they can't, that can stand and say, God's given me a word to tell you. Why didn't he tell me? We don't have prophets today, not in the sense of the Old Testament. If you're a believer, you have a relationship with the Lord. Now, I can get up here and speak in generalities, and some of you say, man, that was right where I'm living. I didn't know that. That's between you and God. And God and it confirms when people come, I, it would not bother me if I never, ever, ever heard another person say, that's a good message today, preacher. That plays to ego. I don't need any help with that. What means more to me than anything is someone to come and say, I really appreciate the message today because it hit me right where I'm living. God, God showed me something today. That tells me I'm prayed up and I was where God wanted me to be in the scriptures on that day. You see... We, we discern those things in the word and in the world when our standing is sure in him. And so what are we to do? We're to stand fast. Stand fast in this liberty. Once again, we see the indicative mood when it says Christ has made us free. Past tense, already accomplished statement of fact. But the imperative mood says stand fast. A command, a command to do. Much like the Great Commission. Matter of fact, exactly like the Great Commission. It is a command to be obedient. We must be found faithful. Stand fast in the liberty. Therefore in the liberty. Therefore is therefore a reason. As you look back over the rest of this book of Galatians, the church at Galatia is being attacked. Do you know 
And I talked and praised Peter last week from going from denial Peter to the Peter of Pentecost. But you know what? He's still warred in the flesh just like you do. For it is in this book that Paul had to confront him because he was playing his Jewish card and his Gentile card together. He would act like one thing when he was around Gentiles and he'd act a different way when he was around Jews. And Paul says, let that be done and don't ever do it again. Be consistent. You see, they were wanting to mix Judaism with Christianity. They were coming at them with all kinds of theories and their own ways of doing things. But we are, we are commanded to be found faithful. We do not perform so as to be free, but because we are free. We do not stand fast so that we're not lost. We stand fast because we are saved. Y'all get that? Let me, let me say it again. Being firm in your faith will not save you. You be firm in the faith because Jesus has already saved you. We do not do good works to be saved. We do good works because we are saved. We are baptized, we tithe, we share the gospel, we disciple, we worship, we study, we pray, we sing, we do all that. Not to be saved, but because we are saved. Lord's Supper. Those things. My friends, aren't you glad that you don't have to go to bed tonight? If you're saved, you do not have to go to bed tonight thinking, did I do enough? To stay saved. Did I do enough to know I'm saved? I want you today more than anything else to go to bed tonight knowing you are free in Christ. If you're already saved, that freedom is secured. If you're lost, you can find that freedom today. If you believe in him, place your faith, hope, and trust, repenting of your sin. You can't just come and bring all your baggage with you. You've got to check it at the door. Be crucified with Christ that you may live and how do we do it we live in this freedom we live in it experience what he has provided in every area and at all times being a Christian on the ball field being a Christian on the job and I'm not saying be a Christian like the world says I'm a Christian no it is living it not just saying it Not saying I'm a Christian on Sunday, but nothing but filth and evil communication coming out of your mouth Monday through Saturday. And young people, it don't make you cool to talk like the devil. It just makes you stupid. Man, it doesn't make you manly to use filthy words. It makes you dumb and disrespectful. It doesn't take a lot of brains to use a bunch of four-letter words. Hey, try a five, six-letter word. Try a couple of syllables. Start off slow and grow. Aren't you tired of the filth? Do you know why there's so much filth in the world? We've tolerated it. And you have what you tolerate. Never forget what our liberty means. 
We've been justified. Man, we have been justified. Never, ever, ever forget. He has set us free. And we are to keep growing. Keep growing. Never stop. Empowered by his freedom. This is sanctification. This is a really cool verse because what you see is no longer and not yet. You see, the no longer are we lost and bound by the bondage of sin, but we've not yet attained the perfection of glorification. We're somewhere between the no longer and the not yet. We're living in the now. We're living in the now. And so let us keep growing, empowered in our walk with Christ in the sanctification. We have been spiritually planted in Christ. So grow in grace and truth. And then finally he tells us, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Do not get wrapped back up by that stuff of the world. How do we, how do we keep from doing that? We must beware of the threats to our liberty. Do not allow yourself to become entangled again or be entangled at all with legalism. Legalism means Jesus and. And what? You name it. Jesus and the way you dress. Jesus and the music, the kind of genre of worship music. Jesus and how many times you do this and how many times you do that. He tells us in Romans whether we eat meat or don't eat meat. Whether we eat herbs or not eat herbs, there's different administrations. Whether we eat it or don't eat it, we do it as unto the Lord. Let it not be about legalism. You see, legalism is holiness without grace, which is nothing more than the law. That was the problem here. They were trying to take the old covenant and mix it with the new. You can't have new if the old's still living. But you see, the Bible tells us once again in Hebrew, when the testator, Jesus Christ, died, the New Testament became enforced. And it's not Jesus and it's just Jesus. Legalism is seen in false boundaries imposed by ourselves or others. Well, you're not really Christian if you don't do it our way. If your building don't look this kind of way, if you don't read this kind of devotion, if you don't use this version of the Bible. See, I, was, I was raised in a lot of that stuff. And it took a lot of years to break some of that stuff. There's this morning I'm in A King James, not the authorized. I've got an authorized 1611 in my office. And any of you, if you're doing listen, I love it. But if you really want to say, well, I don't believe there's any Please, make an appointment. I want to show you what a 1611 looks like. I'm going to challenge you to read it. Can't read it. And did you know that over 80% of the King James Bible is actually the bishops in Geneva Bible? They said, take all you can and only change the little pieces that you must. And you know it was 1610, but there were so many mistakes in it, it didn't really, it got edited and it didn't come out until 1611. 
And then I got a new King James that sits on the corner of my desk, and I've been preaching through that a lot lately because we don't use words like superfluity of naughtiness anymore. We just don't. I have a Christian standard that sits on the corner of my, bed, my, my desk, and I study and I use that, and I look at others. One of my favorites to read and study after is Kenneth Wiest, which did his own breakdown of the New Testament, transliterating from the Greek. I love to study that. But my friends, what we must understand is, whether it's the New American Standard or whether it's the King James, when it is preached in the authority of Scripture, which is inerrant, infallible, the Word of God in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, not paraphrased, not watered down, not changed, but preaching in the authority, thus saith the Lord. That's where freedom's found. It's being obedient to the Word, Jesus Christ. It's not Jesus and. It's just Jesus. If you're imposing this other, these boundaries and you're just weighing down, listen, get rid of them. Get rid of them. I went through my garage yesterday, threw stuff away. Went through some of my old notes in my office this week. I was changing some drawers with, in my desk with different sermons, handwritten notes, and, man, I filled the whole trash can up. I'm like, no, that's got to go. This has got to go. It is so freeing, isn't it? Clear the clutter. There's some spiritual clutter in your life that you let some aunt or grandma or preacher put on you, and it's time to bring it to Calvary. Now, it doesn't mean live any kind of way you want because then you end up in liberalism. What does liberalism mean? Jesus minus. That's grace without holiness. Oh, God just understands. I'm going to tell you something. I'll tell you what Jesus understands. Jesus understood that when he came to this earth, he died as payment for all sin, not so that we could continue in it, but that he would give us power over it and through it. He paid for the penalty and the power of sin, not that we continue any longer in it. So stop with this business, God just understands. God just wants me to be happy. God don't give a flip about your happiness apart from holiness. He just don't. And if you think he wants you to have somebody else's spouse, if, he, if you think that you can change sin and say, well, God just knows that's the way I was born. They're trying every lie in the book. It used to be they just knew that they were at opposition with God. Now they said, no, God loves us. Well, yeah, God loves you, but he sent Jesus to die so that you wouldn't remain in it. But now they've embraced it. And it's changing complete denominations. It's changing the whole face of what Christianity looks like in the world. My friend, Jesus has not changed. Sin still sin. And liberalism is just as wrong as legalism. This is seen when the truth of God's attributes are minimalized and man's desires take precedence. Can I tell you the free, most freeing thing in this world is realize 
God doesn't need my help. Just give it to Jesus. And then lies. Look back in chapter 1, verse 6. Have you ever seen somebody do something so dumb it blew your mind? That anybody could be that dumb to do something? That dumb? Well, now you can make a million dollars if you live through it. Just get your YouTube channel. They make whole movies and series of movies on being dumb. Paul looked at him and said, I marvel. It wasn't that he was, wow, this is cool. He said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. How quickly you've fallen into the lies of this world which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Paul said, I want you to understand I don't even trust myself apart from Jesus. If me or anyone else does it, don't accept it. For do I now persuade men or God? Do you convict people or does the Holy Spirit? I have never yet convicted anybody. I can't shame somebody or make somebody do what I want them to do. He said, I have not persuaded anyone. God does it. Do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Listen, lies are anything that's not centered on Jesus. False doctrine, deceptive ideologies, political obfuscation. They don't even know what they're talking about. They don't even have any idea. Somebody else is writing it for them. Social axioms, presenting that in society as truth, which is a lie. But they have adopted those axioms. There's an uprising right now in America. It says enough's enough. Enough is enough. And then you know what? The, one of the biggest lies of all? Self-dependence. We don't really need anything. We've got ourselves. We're Americans. We'll fix it. We'll make it. We'll do whatever. Listen today. We must never forget that freedom, real freedom, cannot be found in a specific geographical or educational understanding, but rather centered in the state of grace. America is under attack. This time the threats are more subtle. Christians are told to be quiet as their speech impedes upon the freedom of others. The right to defend oneself is rejected because of the perception that criminals' rights are being trampled on. Freedom of religion is completely rejected as the secular world portrays morality and Christian ethics as some form of bigoted bias. The freedoms once embraced and protected are now dismissed 
And the guards of this freedom are told to stand down while insurgents are not only permitted to cross our border, they are encouraged to do so. Much like Jehoshaphat, America has entered into an agreement with the world. 2 Chronicles 18.1 says, Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. It should have been a period right there. But it wasn't. It said he joined affinity or entered into a contract or an agreement with Ahab. You know who Ahab was, don't you? He is married to that crazy woman named Jezebel. And they both were as evil as the day is long. Of all people, Jehoshaphat, blessed with abundance from God, entered into an agreement with Ahab. The ensuing battle would be lost. God's man tried to warn them. They did not listen. God protected Jehoshaphat even in his disobedience. This does not mean he and his people didn't suffer. Influence was lost. People died. I want to ask you, what agreement are you in with this world that is costing you your freedom in Christ? The Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Ask God today to break the chains, to tear down the strongholds that are preventing you from truly living in the freedom of Christ. And as Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand fast in the freedom that is Christ no longer entangled with the world. If you're a believer, you're a slave no more. You're a free man. Act like it. Live in it. Rejoice because of it. And if you're lost, trust Jesus to set you free today. Whatever is on your heart, whatever you need to deal with today, come to Jesus. Trust Him. For He has paid it all. Stand. Come to Jesus today. Find that freedom today. Right now, come. In the morning when I